Hello, everyone. We're going to just give some time to allow people to jump on and we will get started shortly. Well, let's go ahead and kick this thing off. For everyone who doesn't know, my name is Taylor Brown and I am the editor of Club Solutions Magazine. <clears throat> Thank you for joining us for another wonderful Thought Leaders Roundtable discussion. This one is sponsored by ISSA, so everyone please feel free to check them out after this and give them a look into. Thank you so much for your partnership. And as you can see, we have another great panel. Very excited to talk to these folks, as I just saw them not that long ago, so great to reconnect. And to start things off, I'll just go around and have you all introduce yourselves and share a fun fact to kind of get the fun energy going. So, Brad, we're going to start with you first. Oh, all right. Um, hi, my name is Brad Houks. I'm the Vice President of Operations for Midtown Athletic Clubs. Fun fact. Um my first job, I actually, I'm a, uh, I'm a tennis coach. So uh, I'm a throwback tennis coach. I've been with Midtown for 20 years. And, um, and I just was sure probably like a, like a lot of people that um, uh, I was going to jump into the fitness industry and um, find my real job. And, uh, and I'm still doing the same. I'm still working for the same company 21 years later. So um, that's probably the, I, I, maybe not the most fun fact, but, uh, but that's, that's what I got, Taylor. I'll take it. Lori, we'll go to you next. Hi, my name is Lori Lowell. I own a handful of Gold's Gyms uh, with my husband, Jeremy, and a couple of other owners in uh, Northern Virginia and Milwaukee. Uh, fun fact about me, well, I've been in the industry since uh, 1984, uh, been a club owner since 1996, uh, specialized early on in group fitness, came from dance, worked for Nike on Capitol Hill for a while. I, um, fun fact, I'm a post-inquisition Sephardic folk musician, and I've traveled the world with my mother and my family performing Sephardic folk music. And my husband and I curate and produce a yoga and music festival in Aspen, Colorado. And we're embarking on our next festival that's coming up in July. And uh, it's an amazing, it's an experience for um, fitness enthusiasts. So we're very excited about that. And I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Steve, we'll go to you next. Hey, thanks, Taylor. Thanks, Taylor. Um, Steve Pattis, good to meet everybody. I'm the uh, SVP of Strategy and Finance here at Barry's, formerly known as Barry's Bootcamp. Um, I'm actually based out of Omaha, Nebraska. Our headquarters is in Miami, Florida, uh, but we have a satellite office here of about 15 kind of back office team members here that um, work out of Omaha. Uh, my fun fact, uh, not as many cool hobbies as Lori, but uh, my, one of my big hobbies is uh, is golf. I like to golf on the side and uh, I've had two hole-in-ones, so that is my, my fun fact yeah. for today. I was telling uh, Scott before we started that I'm wearing my master's jacket, so. There you go. Love it. This is, U this is U.S. Open week, so here we go. Right. <laughs> Scott, we'll go to you. Thank you, Taylor. It's great to be here uh, with all of you. Uh, I am the founder and majority owner of Club Northwest. We're in Southern Oregon. Uh, we're in a small town called Grants Pass uh, here in Oregon. We uh, are approaching, I just found out from our GM yesterday, we're approaching 12,000 members uh, at Club Northwest in a town of 36,000. So uh, we've uh, found a way to have some pretty deep penetration uh, and it is a blast. I love doing uh, what we do. 
A couple fun facts. Uh, Brad, I've got to add this one. Uh, I'm a former tennis teaching pro myself. Uh, worked for uh, uh, Landmark Land for some time. I worked for PepsiCo, did uh, events around the world for about 12 years, uh, special tennis events. Um, and uh, another fun fact, I'm reading a book with a working, or uh, writing a book, excuse me, uh, with a working title, uh, The New Well. Awesome. Uh, I'll share a fun fact. I helped keep you all in business because I worked at an ice cream shop for seven years <laughs> to get me through high school and college. So I now, just like anytime it's warm out, assume that I need ice cream at all times. So, but mm -hmm. I will say, I do think it contributes to happiness. So, yes. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> to kick things off, um, I just kind of want to start, I know there are so many industry events and a lot of great um, opportunities and a lot of opportunities to kind of continue education. So I would love to know when you all go into an industry event, kind of what do you hope to achieve when you go? And Steve, we're going to start with you for this question. Yeah, no. Um, so it was interesting for me, obviously, coming to coming to this event. Uh, I think I'm the only boutique fitness representative here um, relative to a lot of the other kind of big box gym models. Um, so for me, I was really interested just to hear um, first time just trends in the industry um, and kind of where, um, you know, all these kind of thought leaders believe the industry is headed. Um, we talked a lot about kind of recovery and, and certain trends like that that are that are coming up um, and just overall wellness. But uh, yeah, really wanted to just kind of understand trends um, in, in, in the space. Um, and just kind of learn best practices. Uh, you know, I think a lot of the operators on this call, as well as um, who are at the event, um, are, are way more mature in their as an organization than we are as it relates to, to sales, membership retention, things like that. That um, really wanted to learn a lot um, from the folks that were there on, on how they on how they deliver on that. So, really enjoyed that part of the session and was something I really looked forward to. So, awesome, uh, Scott. We'll go to you next. Well, uh, I have learned over the years to go and learn and, and listen deeply, like really, really listen. Um, I don't know if anybody else can relate to this yet. Uh, sometimes I feel like I've got some things figured out. And uh, if I stop for a second and truly listen, I realize there's a lot more to learn, a whole lot more. And this was uh, really an inspiring uh, group of folks from a lot of different angles coming into uh, uh, into one thing that I felt there and that's serving others in well-being and fitness. Awesome. Lori. Great segue because my whole why is to serve. So thank you for that. But for uh, me, it's um, listening is also extremely important. It's a great opportunity to be able to sit back and listen and so I want to connect with people that I can learn from and that inspire me. I buy relationships. So um, what relationships can I build um, and who can I meet and reconnect with? Because, you know, I don't really buy product. Um, when I look at things, I buy relationships and I'm dying to meet and talk with colleagues and learn from them uh, because there's so much, you know, we don't, you know, we don't know and we hide you know, in our little boxes and we do our day-to-day -day activities and do our things so that when we have an opportunity to get to be with all these amazing people, um, whether it's small boutique or big boxes, uh, it's very exciting. And we've launched into a global yoga teacher training company. And so I'm constantly looking for information, um, especially from boutiques to, to grab and understand um, our marketplace because it's so diverse. Awesome. Brad. 
Yeah, I, I, I think kind of similar to the rest of the group, I there's so much horsepower, um, industry horsepower in a, in a, in a group like this. And so, you know, my, my goal is always to kind of, to take, you know, to, to come out of it with one or two little nuggets, you know, that I can kind of bring back to the team and, and, and we can talk through and, and kind of expand on or, or, or even implement into, into what we do. Um, and then, you know, very similar to what Lori was saying, I, I, I think, you know, just being able to, you know, find a couple people that you can connect with, um, even have a drink with that, that, you know, become, Net, net network connections that, that you can continue to just stay in touch with, you know, people who maybe um, share, you know, a, a similar, you know, place in the market or similar business model as you that you can, you know, reach out to. But then even like, you know, like Steve said, you know, like, like find, meeting somebody like Steve who, who, who does boutique fitness, but what can we take from boutique fitness and actually like, you know, kind of put that into, into what, what we do in, in, in our model. So, um, yeah. Awesome. Well, I hope that you all walked away from the summit with some of those connections or those little nuggets, as you put it. And I think that's a good segue um, into the first topic we really talked about at the summit was um, leadership and culture change. And we kind of really honed in on Gen Z and hiring challenges with them and just kind of Gen Z as a whole. And as a geriatric Gen Z, I was very interested to hear what you all had to say about that. But I'd love to know kind of what stood out from you all during this conversation or if there was something you took back to your team and had a conversation about. And Lori, we're going to start with you on this one. Biggest thing that happened for me when everybody was speaking about this population and and the Gen Z was uh, we're really into labeling right now. And what I've come to realize is that we have amazing Gen Z employees And we have not so amazing Gen Z employees. We have amazing baby boomer employees and we have amazing, not so, you know, amazing baby boomer employees. I think it all boils down to leadership and expectation. So um, my takeaway from this was, do I need to label this? Do I need to label all these populations? Um, Do I need to say, okay, Gen Zs are entitled. uh, They're all winners. They have certain expectations. Or can I really start to look at the person from a more holistic and organic um, place? And so it really got me thinking at that level that I want everybody to come into our space equal without labeling and then see how it turns out just based on the relationship that's built. Yeah, that's great. Steve, we'll go to you. Yeah, no, um, I think echoing a lot of Lori's sentiments there, from, from my perspective, I know uh, one thing we talked a little bit about at our table during the discussion what was a lot around um, kind of aligning on mission, vision, and values uh, and, and making sure, you know, if you haven't kind of created those for your own organization, just the importance of kind of setting, sitting down and kind of developing those um, and using that, uh, using that as kind of the framework for first off hiring, onboarding, training, um, everything for, for not just Gen Z, but for any, any employee, um, the importance of, I think, having kind of a, a greater mission um, for an individual. So it's not just the day-to-day task of cleaning our facilities, but transforming lives um, and giving someone kind of that larger picture um, so that they can understand really the why behind the work they do is, I think, just important, important for Gen Z, but also important for baby boomers, important for everybody. So I think that was one of my big takeaways. And I came back and just was thinking a lot about our onboarding process, um, career pathing, mentorship. Um, what kind of opportunities do we have here at our organization? So, awesome. That's great, Brad. We'll go to you. I love all of that. I, I, um, I think 
I, I agree. Like the, I, I like really like what Lori said about about not necessarily labeling Gen Z versus uh, Gen X versus millennials. Um, I do think you know what we have recognized is that the workforce is just changing though. Um, and, and I think, you know, I, I, what I hear a lot, and it's not just our industry, but I hear in other industries as well, is like kind of this mindset of, you know, well, I worked really hard. I worked 60 hours a week and I'm going to kind of teach this group of, of the, the, the new workforce to work 60 hours a week. And I'm just, yeah, I think I am a bit of the mindset that, you know, that if you're going to attract top talent um, and be an employer of choice, like you have to kind of change your mindset and meet people where they're at today, you know? Um, and, and that's the, the workforce as a whole. And I, and so I, I, I do think looking at, um, you know, how you view the jobs that you create. Um, one of the things we've tried to do is really create better jobs within our organization, um, you know, full-time employment, um, you know, get, get higher paying roles, um, you know, understanding that it may impact our margins, but improve our experience. Um, you know, we've really looked at, you know, having, creating less barriers to entry for like things like benefits, um, and, and really, be, you know, um, uh, adding more sort of, um, sort of flexibility to scheduling, uh, our HQ team at this point, I'm at our corporate office right now, the lights haven't been on all day because at this point it, our, almost our entire HQ team is, is remote, uh, which you can't really do in the clubs, but we do, we have found ways to add more flexibility into scheduling within our, within our club teams. Um, and then, you know, Steve said this, which which I really think is really important is is really recognizing our social responsibility um, and where maybe we haven't talked about that in the past, like really making sure that um, that we celebrate that, you know, with people coming on board with us. And, and I think it's something that, that creates a, a little bit more stickiness and, and loyalty to us as an employer. Yeah, that's great information. I think that really stood out for me as well. Um, I kind of came back and just vomited a column out about Gen Z and how it's not Gen Z's the problem because it's easy when a new generation comes in to just put all of the problems on them. Like with millennials, it was avocado toast. They just want to spend their money on avocado toast and not buy houses. And with Gen Z, it's, oh, they think they can just sit at home and get paid 50 grand a day. And I think what really stood out to me was Amy Bumi said, we really have to look inward when it comes to this. Like, what have we enabled? What have we just put up with? And what is no longer the, the standard for people to say, you know what, you may have done that, but that's not okay for me. Like, I think it's really, like you said, the workforce is changing and it's interesting to see what'll keep happening. And Scott, we'll go to you next. Yeah, wow, love, just love everything said. Um... I think there was a general either connect or reconnect for all of us in that context, Taylor, that, oh, here we are. And I love it when it was said that, you know, it wasn't that long ago when we were sitting here and saying the same thing about millennials. That, I, I think, hit all of us square between the eyes. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, we we started 26 plus years ago, a company built on a belief that all that unites is love and all that divides is not. And yet here we are as operators in this real world where there are differences. We do have differences. We're in a we're in an area that is almost 50 50 divided politically. So you can imagine what COVID was like. And many of you may have heard Oregon was pretty tough to navigate uh as those of you in california that are listening those that were in new york and washington it was tough everywhere yet there was some states that i think made it a little tougher and 
you know, we had uh, we had Gen Z's literally uh, one of the first days that we reopened with a mask mandate. We had Gen Z's leading a local baby boomer um, police officer out of our club because he refused to wear a mask. So my point about this is, is we need to look inside. I think it's everybody's point here at the end of the day. It's, you know, we need to meet people where they're at. Um, what we did, I, I loved this conversation. And I, I, I thought, you know, how do we meet this and really address it at Club Northwest in a way that's powerful, that's not Pollyanna, because that can be taken, you know, all that, that unites is love, all that divides is not. You can live in a Pollyanna world there, yet we don't. We're operators that serve thousands and tens of thousands and millions of people throughout our industry. So I, I had this crazy idea and it actually worked out about, I, I don't know what the percentage is. I think it's small of the ideas I have that actually work out the first time. <laughs> yet this one hit the mark. We had uh, luckily upcoming a quarterly, what we call a Surrier Nation celebration. A Surrier is what we call each of ourselves here at Club Northwest. And it's a, it's a servant warrior in love and well-being. And we were all together. And for my little 10 minutes, I uh, simply, I had Googled uh, definitions of generations. And I literally read those and asked our team to put their hands up. And even some of them came up during their generational time when we read about the characteristics of the people in that generation. I mean, it was, I, I really overtly put us all in a place to be labeled, right? Because it's gonna happen. We, I don't like it a lot of times. And once in a while I do when the label makes me feel good. <laughs> um, yet uh, this was really fun. It ended up better than I thought. And so we were able to all see how we judge each other. And then at the end of it, we brought it back around and we talked about our core values, those core values that we all share in our particular organization. And I think there was a cleansing to that. There was a, okay, yeah, there probably has been some conversations behind closed doors uh, of oh, what are we gonna do with these Gen Zs? Well, as everybody I think has said here, it comes back to what am I gonna do with myself? And then I can relate to the Gen Z or the Gen whatever. Uh, and by the way, there's a, I think it's Gen Alpha. Uh, the, uh, that's, I think the kids are, I think, 10 years old or the oldest ones right now. Pretty cool. So we're going to keep labeling, it looks. Um, so let's find a way to deal with it. And I think in that labeling, we get a chance to discuss how we see things differently. And within that, what I saw in this, because it was, one of those, when I introduced this, one of those things where I could tell the team started talking and our team's fairly respectful when we get in meetings like that. And immediately when I brought this stuff up, they just started talking amongst themselves. And there's a, I don't know, hundred plus people in a room doing this. It was really a cool thing. Uh, it turned out better than I thought. It was like, okay, let's go there. Let's go head on. And now let's come back to what do we share? Why are we here? Who are we here to serve, as Lori said? Who, you know, who, why are we here? What's the why? Yeah, yeah. of course we have differences. Yeah, I think that's really awesome. At the end of the day, like we're all our own individual people, right? But all your employees are working towards one goal. 
to be there for your members. You have a mission. They're all there to do that. So it's easy to pick apart each other and put us all in little groups. But at the end of the day, we're all trying to achieve the same thing. So I think that's really important to remember as an operator. And I'll just segue right into our next roundtable topic. Very different, but it, um, it was on driving revenue and increasing ROI. And for this, personally, what stood out to me was a lot of people just talked about going back to the basics. I think today's day and age, everyone wants to have the next like cutting edge, out of the box idea to just magically bring in revenue. But a lot of the conversation was we need to go back about, look at our membership numbers. We need to look at the basics of everything. So I would love to know what kind of stood out to you all with this topic and if there's anything that really um, made you go, aha, I need to do that. And Steve, we'll start with you on this one too. Yeah, no, um, I think the idea of going back to the fundamentals is definitely uh, something that, I, that was a takeaway for me um, at our table and as part of our discussion. One thing we did talk a little bit about was just kind of monetizing your square footage um, just however you can. And so, um, you know, whether it's having retail goods or food and beverage or a lot of um, different, uh, you know, folks at the table were talking about kind of like ad space, things like that, that they have in their clubs. Um, just some interesting unlocks that I'd personally not thought of um, at, for our own, our own locations. I think, you know, for us, uh, any type of partner we'd want to work with would, would have to be very much like brand aligned um, from like a values perspective. But just, I think, a way to kind of unlock additional revenue potentially that we hadn't otherwise considered. So I thought that was an interesting way to think about it. So how do you yeah. monetize your square footage even more than you already are? Yeah, it's definitely important to, to keep in mind. Brad. So I, I think going back to basics is a good way to put it. Um, you know, I ultimately, I think most of us are, are in the subscription business, say, you know, reoccurring revenue is really, you know, where, where, where our, our bread is buttered, if you will. And, and, and I think, you know, I think looking at how you leverage sort of your technology and your technology stack um, to, to link your sales and marketing functions um, is to me, the place to invest right now. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, being able to, uh, to create a, a sales or, or sort of a prospect journey, a lead journey from, before someone even knows they're a lead to the time they join the club and then, and then understanding how that works with your digital marketing team. And so, you know, being able to identify, you know, what uh, campaigns are having success, how they're having success, being able to sort of like dial that, that, uh, that spend, that investment based on what you're seeing within the data that you're getting in real time to really leverage your marketing spend. And, uh, and I think, you know, if done right, then you just start pouring your investment into that. Uh, and I think at the end of the day, reoccurring revenue is, is to me the place where I think we still prioritize, you know, our, our, our investment, uh, you know, where we're always looking to improve. I think we've made significant improvements by really being able to le leverage new technology and, and, and really sort of rethink our prospect journey and what that looks like. Awesome. Scott, what were your takeaways? Wow, there were so many of them. There were so many specifics, and Steve had mentioned one uh, in the group we were in. Uh, and, and what I like about the format that was at the summit, uh, and this was my first uh, time to attend, one of the things that I loved about it uh, was I, I got a whole bunch from the roundtables in my group, yet it really sparked deeper conversations later. Um, and, and so 
there was so much that I took away. So many specific things. One of my favorites was Chris Birdwell um, of the Bay Clubs uh, that has created a, a new type of membership. I haven't heard of it before. It's he's changed what the family is literally because as he said, the family definition of families is changing anyway. So mm-hmm. he allows people to bring their friends in as family on an essence of family membership. And, you know, and of course the first question that pops up, well, how much your, your income per membership must've went down when you did that? He said, it actually went up. It actually went up. So, you know, I love those innovative things that really, uh, I, I think, you know, stepping outside the box isn't maybe the way to look at it. We all have boxes, but how do we buzz inside those boxes, right? Um, and, and, and that was a great example of that. In general, what was um, was renewed in me is what, what we tend to do at Club Northwest, and that is we pilot. We're always piloting. And for all those that are listening, those entrepreneurs out there, if you're still at that spot where you're working almost exclusively in your business and not on your business, keep going because you will find a way and there are ways to do this. And there's actually formulas for this where you're going to get to start working more and more like this group on this call, working on the business. And then you can start piloting. You can do things sanely and safely, pilot them. And most of the stuff I pilot doesn't work. I throw it away. Yet the stuff that I do that does work, I double down, I triple down, I go all in any way I can. And I think that kind of segues in, in one of the last things we're going to talk about here is about your brand. How do you, how do you really take that brand and help your, the people that, are, that, that, um, that you serve and, and may serve and really get them to know who you are and be that special thing that you want to be for them? Yeah. Lori, we'll, we'll go to you. Uh, Scott, that really resonated with me as well, defining the family and what is a family, because we, I immediately went to my team and implemented that. That was one of our biggest takeaways. So thank you for bringing that up because you took, you took the words right out of my mouth. One of my aha moments is that I'm not alone, which is great. We're not alone as a company. We are all sharing a lot of the same thoughts, ideas, successes, struggles. And even though we're all in different places um, in our regrowth post-COVID, just based on so many variables, right? Uh, We're all looking at the same things, which is really important. Um, We have to constantly reinvent ourselves. Uh, which is really powerful, not necessarily the business um, per se, but ourselves. And I just want to go back real quick and I don't want to steal anybody's time, but I want to go back to the Gen Z thing. So we go to big, huge music festivals like EDC and Coachella, all these big music festivals, and it's all Gen Zs and millennials. And they are amazing people. And then I go to Jazz Aspen Music Festival and it's all grumpy baby boomers. And there is a spark in the generations that we're catering to because our joins are much younger now, right? We're having a much younger join. Yes, our cancels are are the younger population, but our joins are much younger. 
and they are great people and they are in the business of, they are in the world of experience, right? And so we get to reinvent ourselves and create all these amazing experiences because it's going to trickle over into the older populations because kind of they want it too. Like I'm 63 and oh yeah, I'm going, I'm going to the music festival. I'm going to immerse myself into 400,000 people and I'm going to have the time of my life with all these kids because it feels good, right? And so it's really, we're in the business of, feeling. And that was a big takeaway for me. I'm constantly relating my day-to-day experiences with what's happening in our business. And yes, we're still down 25%, but our users, our users in our clubs are the same as they were when we were 25% up. So we're doing something right. Less members maybe, but they're using the club more because we're giving them an enhanced experience and they're bringing an enhanced experience to the population in the club. So there's a lot more of that happening, which um, I shared, we shared a lot um, in some of my groups and it was very, very dynamic. It was a very dynamic revelation. So, um, you know, we're all on the same page. We scaled back some of our group fitness. Um, we've increased our membership pricing as a whole, I think are some takeaways. Um, old school versus new school tactics, which is so important because some of our old school tactics are, are great. We still have maybe sales uh, salespeople on the ground, but we're doing a lot of online joins and what's the blend and what does it look like? So those were a lot of things that we talked about. We have to blend the two because we're learning so much, but we can't forget about our past or where we came from or where our strengths were. Um, Yeah. So those are, you know, big things, boosting posts, learning how to boost. So we're not talking to the same people on social media where we're actually going into lookalike audiences and bringing those people back. That was a big aha moment. And uh, things like that were, were, were very dynamic website um, content uh, is so important now. Um, reviews with Google. Uh, if you don't know about Irate, it's an amazing platform. Look it up, E-Y-E-R-A-T-E. It's changed my life. So a lot of these conversations were so helpful and dynamic and taught me that I'm not alone. Yeah, that's awesome. And I love what you said about blending things, because I think it's a good segue into the next topic, which is technology. Um, because I feel like a lot of people your technology and they're like, but you're going to take away all the connection in the club if you just automate everything. So I think there is like a good balance of you need to blend the old and the new because you have to stay up to current times, but you also still have to deliver that customer experience, right? So I love to segue into that. We did something new at the summit this year, which was a panel. So we've never done a panel discussion before. Um, And the topic was on building the right tech stack. And I personally learned a lot during that. I hope you all did as well. Um, But I'd love to kind of just dive into what stood out to you. Where do you kind of see yourselves going with technology? And yeah, that's pretty much it. (laughs) And Scott, we'll start with you. Well, first off, I I love the panel. I I, I brought that discussion back to uh, our IT and related team. Um, some time ago, we threw away uh, the the marketing word. That's a no word for us. We, it doesn't exist in our vocabulary. We do messaging, and what happened when we did that? Words are important, I I believe, and we do at Club Northwest. When we did that, it made us all messengers. We already knew we were messengers. We knew we were part of that team. We didn't know we were part of the marketing team. In fact, there was times when the marketing to- team told us we weren't. 
So uh, <laughs> this uh, this has been a big a big move for us. And and what 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 I kept hearing there, the the, the panel was fantastic because that's some deep knowledge that we just didn't have and and um, brought that back. And it was really helpful already uh, to to my team. And we're building we're in some projects right now, building some technology and uh, super, super helpful. Um, what, what I really took away with that or is what you said, Taylor, it, it, the biggest takeaway I had was the question isn't what technologies do I want? The question is, what are the technologies that will support who we are? What are those technologies that will just make it better? Because we've been there. I've been there where I got lost in technology, had all the bells and whistles. And one of the things that was mentioned in that, uh, uh, in the panel was, you know, data. Sometimes we just get too much data and we're not using it. And we think that the, the game is to collect data. It's not, it's to use data to be a better version of who we are already. That was the biggest takeaway I had. And it was great to hear the techies even focus around that. It was be beautiful. I loved the panel. Loved awesome. that panel. Awesome. Uh, Brad, we'll go to you next. I really enjoyed the panel as well. Um, I, I probably understood about a quarter of what was said, uh, which, which was good, I thought. Uh, it was great. I, you know, the, the, the level of knowledge within that group was really fantastic. And I wrote a lot of stuff down that I then came back later and translated. And so I think I understand it better now as, as, uh, as I've gotten into it, the, the part of the conversation that stood out to me, I think the most was around data cleanliness. Uh, so, so maybe a little bit of kind of what, what Scott is saying, but um, I'm right in the middle of this right now. Um, you know, I'm part of a 50 plus year organization um, that is, is really has, Dirty data all over the place, um, and uh, and so it really there, there's a, there's an argument to be said that like it'd be it'd be better from a data standpoint to be starting fresh today, uh, and really having a data strategy that you can put into place that you can sort of the, you know really be strategic about how you architect that, um, and that's what we're doing. We're we're in the process of cleaning up all of that data, and I think that that is the most boring project that we can probably be doing as an organization, and maybe the most impactful project that we will do in the next couple of years. Um, you know, it just is going to have such an incredible impact on our ability to um, to do everything we want to do, whether it's, you know, segmenting our different markets, uh, our automations, getting into AI, uh, machine learning. All of these things are going to be built off of our data set, which if it's not clean, we're going to really struggle through that whole process. And I think that that uh, is really having a data strategy to me is one of the most important things that came out of that. I, I'm also really interested my my the scope of my knowledge on on uh, on on AI is really limited. You know, I'm I'm in the process of kind of educating myself. Um, you know, we're starting to look into ways where um, you know we're starting to build out some some AI pieces around like how to how our associates can navigate to find training, uh, different things on our you know on our internet page, uh, be able to kind of you know the 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 associate experience on the back end, and then starting to look at building out some communications using um, using AI for our members. You know, when the pool goes down, how can we quickly you know just kind of pump out a uh, uh, a notification, a communication to our members without having to get our whole creative writing team in place, you know. So, um, so you know, we're 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 kind of playing with this, but we're just on the just just on the the real uh, uh, real tip of this. 
Yeah, I like what you said. Um, technology and data isn't always like the most flashy part of the business. Like it's not a new innovative program that's going to change your members' lives, right? But it does. Like it impacts your members every single day. So it needs to be focused on. So I really like that. Lori, we'll go to you next. Well, this was a big one for me. Um, <laughs> the right tech stack and AI. First of all, they were way over my head. I had no freaking idea what they were talking about 90% of the time. Mm -hmm. I just furiously, I went back to my notes. I had no idea what I wrote. So these were really, really smart guys that were really involved in some big stuff. Most of them coming from other industries to begin with, with a tremendous amount of knowledge. Um, I thought it was really cool. I I loved a lot of things where they said, did love. I couldn't agree with you guys more about the clean data. Um, so agree with that whole idea. Um, you know, for us, I love everything. You know, I, I, I love all of our platforms. I love all of our tech stacks. I think everything, you know, has a purpose and a place. Would I prefer for it to be a one-stop shop? Yes. Do I feel that AI has a really, really strong place on not only safe time, but it excites our team? So something as simple as rewriting a document for a member or rewriting something, if they can have AI do it for them and it's done better than how they did it, they get excited and they learn. So this is the whole idea of using technology to our advantage, but also using technology as an educational tool. And I feel that that's really, really important. Um, for me, I'm just trying to keep up. Um, I have a very smart team um, that are are young and ambitious and passionate, and they teach me a lot. So I'm super excited about, quote unquote, the right tech stack. Do I know exactly what that is? Hell no. But I'm very excited about where the industry is going. And they, I'm grateful that you guys took the time to put this panel together because, of course, it's so important. What are our trigger words? AI, tech, recovery, you know, those are our trigger words right now. So um, let's just jump on the bandwagon and, 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 and learn as much as we can. So thank you for that. Awesome. Thank you for the kind words. Steve, we'll go to you. Yeah, I think for me, uh, and just for, for Barry's overall, I think we look at, you know, leveraging technology or investing in technology when it's going to improve our, our clients' lives, um, uh, make their lives easier. And so uh, generally, like as an example, um, you know, we invested in like mobile app check-in. So um, clients, when they visit our locations, don't actually have to interact with the front desk if they want to, they can just check in on their phone. Um, and I know it's like, obviously that personal connection is important, but what we found is it actually kind of frees up our front desk team to really um, deliver um, a more hands-on first-timer experience for clients who haven't visited before. So um, leveraging things like uh, mobile app check-in, we built out a loyalty program to drive user engagement, but Technology overall, I think just to engage, um, really, I think deliver a better client experience for us is always top of mind. Um, and then lastly, I think as it, as it ties to the, um, the panel discussion, um, marketing automation for us is I think such a, such a key opportunity and something we're so laser focused on, um, leveraging that client data to then I think scalably intervene um, when clients are you know, potentially going to churn um, is something for us that's been, um, you know, so, something that's top of mind for us and something that we're now kind of even more laser focused on um, post this summit, because uh, there's a lot of opportunity there. So. Yeah, great insight. I think one thing too that stood out to me with the panel and AI was kind of looking at the other side of AI. So uh, I don't remember which panel it was, talked about how someone, AI, they used the AI technology to send out an email to their entire staff pretending to be Bill McBride. Oh, it was Mike Rucker. Um, and 
he was like, in a few years, they'll be able to use your actual voice and call people and get them to do stuff and like scam you out of a bunch of money. And I think that's really important too, to just think about, yes, technology can be such a beneficial tool, but we also have to think of as it keeps developing, people can use it against you as well. So just to keep your eyes on that too, really sit out to me. And lastly, I think my favorite roundtable topic actually was focusing on branding. And um, to get the kind of competitive edge is what we really wanted to focus on originally with branding. But then we kind of thought, what is branding really? And how do operators see branding? Because people can confuse branding with marketing and what does it mean to the member? So I think the video we watched was really impactful on how members feel physically a part of your facility if you do it correctly, right? So a video we watched, it kind of touched on how um, Apple users don't really have negative implementations of like Samsung, but Samsung users react physically to Apple news. So if like Apple's doing great, they get pissed off. And if Apple's doing bad, they get super happy. So basically they only exist because they don't like Apple, not because they love Samsung. <laughs> So it was really interesting just to see that perspective and then kind of get thinking about how health clubs can really empower people to be champions for their brands. And I'd love to kind of just hear what you all took away from that. And Lori, we'll start with you. So um, needless to say, I was very excited about this whole brand identity uh, because I'm with Gold's gym. Mm -hmm. And um, I will admit, that I apologized for being a Gold's Gym for over 20 years. Uh, the cardio revolution and the amount of my colleagues that dropped their signs and left the brand for a myriad of reasons. And the fact that it was almost anti-gym attitude that went into the industry for a very long time. I felt that I needed to apologize for being a Gold's Gym and be everything to everybody. And I was trying to be everything to everybody offering everything. And there's a big weight literally off my chest because I don't have to apologize for being a gold's gym anymore because strength is king right now. And the level of fitness is king right now. And the way that people are training is strength focused. So our brand identity, um, it what, no matter how much it's been smashed, and it has been smashed. And all of a sudden we got this great CEO that an owner that really understood the brand and we all got on the bandwagon. We were all excited about really re, re regaining our, our identity, although it never went away. Um, he dies. And so now we as a franchise and ownership group are together to continue the legacy of what Gold's Gym is. So we don't have to fight for brand identity. We have it already. It's just up to us if we can deliver it. And this is super powerful because we're not a name that has no meaning. We're a name that has great meaning. And now, finally, I'm so proud of it. So my takeaway from watching that video where they had a kid with a Gold's Gym shirt on, but not other any other brand, I'm sorry, it really made me feel special and it empowered me to stay true to what our brand is and not try to be everything to everybody. So that was, that's my little spiel. 
Yeah, I like that. I think it's important for operators to know you're not going to be able to meet the needs of every single person, right? You have a core group that's going to come, that's your member, and that's what you should focus on, not trying to get every 90-year-old, 19-year-old, 9-year-old in your facility if it's not who you really serve the best, right? Scott, we'll go to you next. Wow. Yeah, I love that, Lori. Um, so... I think it's 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 along those lines. We need to know who we are, and I, I think it's even more than that. We need to know who we serve. Uh, of course, uh, Medallia, great way to know that. We need to. We really need to know who who those people are, who we're serving. Um, it's a combination of that and knowing who we are, uh, because you can get lost in just the people you're serving. Uh, this is a paraphrase. Yet, Steve Jobs, when he asked, when he was asked, "How did you know the iPhone would work?" He said, "Well, you know, did you, he didn't take a poll. He had, he used his intuition as well, and that's where we connect with others. And in this place, you know, we were all born with these beautiful well powers, intuition and perception and stuff, and they get trained out of us over time. We learn to dance all the other dances, and we lose ours. That dance is 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 the entrepreneur's dance, right?" Lori said it in just different words. It's about how do we do this dance with the people we serve and remain ourselves and allow them to remain their better selves as well. So it's a lot of, I think it starts with uh, looking inward, not only to ourselves, yet in the service business that we're in. I mean, we're serving people's lives. We extend lives and we make each of those days in that extended life better. We don't make it. We, we give opportunities for that to happen to our members. So how do we spend more time in that place where we're listening? We're really, really deeply, deeply listening. And that this group, you know, I love this event. I've been to I, I used to 20, 25 years ago. I was speaking at URSA events and I love URSA. Haven't done a lot of that over the last many years, well over a decade. This this event really brings people that are are thinking about these things at a very deep level. And they're applying them and they're sharing when they work and they're sharing when they're not working. And that's really, really powerful. So, you know, the brand is uh, there's a great book, um, uh, Building Your Story Brand. Uh, there's another, there's an operating system that could be very helpful for people that want to, to dive more into their brand. And that's the uh, EOS, the uh, Entrepreneurial Operating System, a fellow named Gino Wickman. Um, and a lot of the people I know were familiar with this. I had a lot of conversations uh, at the event. Um, there's a lot of ways to do this. And I think what I took away is just a, a confidence that we are going the right direction when we're looking inside not just ourselves, yet we're looking inside our members. We're really, really listening. It makes us better. And when we're better, we're better for them. Yeah, I love that. Steve, we'll go to you. Uh, um, thank you. Yeah, Scott, I think your point on looking inward is so important. Um, I already mentioned kind of mission, vision, and values earlier, but I think um, that is oftentimes kind of the foundation for um, how your clients are going to see you and kind of what your brand ethos is in, in the space. Um, one thing we've done a lot is actually done like voice of the customer surveys. I know all of your clients, all of our clients love to tell us kind of what we are to them. Um, and so whatever kind of, uh, however we fit into their lives. Um, I know a lot of clients like to kind of share their feedback. And so um, 
getting that feedback and, and kind of using that to kind of build out and understand um, what your brand means to them, I think is extremely beneficial. Uh, in our group and small group for during the summit, we talked a lot about consistency, which I think is such a key part of this is that um, whatever you kind of align on what your brand values are, just kind of delivering that consistently over and over and over again. Um, and I think that's top of mind um, and just kind of reinforcing that message, whether through obviously through your actions, but also even we talked a lot about partnerships, like brand partnerships, um, brand partners that align with your brand and elevate your brand. Um, we share similar values. Um, I think another another strong way to, I think, kind of bolster or support kind of your brand messaging. So, Yeah, I think that's definitely important for operators to keep in mind to make sure who you're aligning with shares the same values as you as well. And Brad, we'll go to you. Um, really agree with with a lot of what's already been said. Um, I think Scott said it, and there's been kind of a, a theme of this is you you have to know who you are. Um, and, and I think knowing who you are really probably starts within your organization. Um, and, and, and for me, creating a brand strategy starts with really making sure that you've got alignment throughout your organization on what your North Star is, um, you know, who you are, and, and then really defining that, you know, and, and defining it in a way that everybody within the organization understands it, so that when you go to create that brand strategy, that it resonates and it comes out because there's alignment throughout the organization and they've got, they have a lens, your team, your marketing team, whoever's creating that, the, the, the imagery, uh, the communications that, that they understand who we are and they have a lens to help them make that decision. And I think, you know, you can tell really when you look at organizations that don't really have a North star, because, you know, you're getting, you're getting, you know, wildly different sort of messages depending on the time of day. And, uh, and I think, I think understanding who you are, making sure that that resonates throughout the organization, defining it, having a North star is really the first step in creating a really successful brand strategy. Yeah, I love that. I think also during this topic, what kind of like resonated with me is the past few years with COVID, right? I think the industry as a whole kind of realized the brand that we wanted to represent wasn't how people were receiving us, right? We wanted to think that everyone saw gyms as like this amazing life-changing place because we all know that's what it is. But then it was, no, you're just like a bar essentially. And everyone's like, what? <laughs> so I think coming out of that, the industry, I've just seen so much collaboration. I've seen it. I saw it at this event and just like Ursa and everything they're doing too. It's really like uniting and trying to be like, no, that's not who we are. Let us show you who we are. And I really am excited to watch and see how that continues to grow. And I will just say that it's been a great conversation and fulfills me so much to hear that you all have like taken so much away. So thank you for that. And I think to wrap things up, we got about 10 minutes left is I would love to just hear overall your like favorite thing about the event maybe someone you connected with that's gonna help you out down the line or even just your biggest takeaway whatever that may be I'd love to hear it and just kind of end on a high right and Scott we'll start with you on this one thank you Taylor uh well I think it was twofold for me it was meeting the new people uh all all three of you on this panel are new people for me uh, and I hope next time when we get together, we'll get even more time because you are fascinating leaders in this industry. Uh, and then those that I already knew, I got to spend more time. 
typically the events that I'm used to going to, it, we don't get that much time together. I mean, I got with some people, I got two hours, you know, with somebody I really wanted to spend some time with. Hopefully they wanted to spend that time with me too, because that's a long <laughs> time. Um, it, it felt like it. Um, it was just, there was the, a depth to this event. I think the balance of uh, really doing fun things together uh, yet they were really in a format that allowed us to talk at the same time and to go deeper on these really important subjects in a in, in a way that um, uh, wasn't you know conjured up. It was just really natural, and it was it, it, that made it that much more meaningful. I mean, I've I've got many conversations continuing now that will improve us uh, at Club Northwest from the event. Awesome. I love to hear that. Lori, we'll get to you. Yeah, well, intimacy is key, right? And we had a beautiful opportunity to share space and uh, hold space for each other, which is just so important because we don't have an opportunity to do that because we spend the majority of our time holding space for everybody else. So like, wow, I'm sitting next to, you know, Brad from Midtown and oh, how cool it is that I'm, you know, I'm looking over there at Steve and he's from Barry's and they're just freaking crushing it. And I've got this girlfriend that's running a Barry's up in New York. I know I'm making all these connections, right? And um, it feels really, really good to have the opportunity to um, have an organized event that's well-organized, um, you know, have to be at a time and place, but there's also space. And the ice carving was super fun. And it was I learned a lot and I thought the team that taught us how to do it were were, were super um, special. They were they were into it. They wanted us to just dig it and go for it. And, you know, whatever kind of guidance they gave us, we just did whatever they said. And, you know, it was it was really fun. So the whole um, leadership and followship aspect of the entire event was special to, to both uh, me and Jeremy because Jeremy was with me. Uh, my husband. So it was, it was great. It was a great three days. And, you know, you know, you're going to a good event when you kind of really don't want it to end. So. <laughs> awesome. Steve. No, echoing the sentiments of not wanting it to end. I could have stayed at Terra for another month or so. Um, it was wonderful. Uh, I think for me, I think just to echo um, both Scott and Lori, I mean, the relationships were, were it was just, that was the key um, takeaway for me. I mean, so many great um, other operators, as well as vendors that were there um, that, you know, there's opportunity with down the road, um, you know, so something like that's potentially an unlock or a door open um, for new partnerships, which is something I'm excited about. Um, yeah, I mean, Catalina was a lot of fun. Uh, we were, we, we did the uh, off, off-roading off Jeep trip, which was great, saw a bison, which was really cool. So um, a lot of memorable experiences. I blanked on the ice carving, but that was a lot of fun too. I took a lot of photos of that. It was a great experience. So. Steve, you're telling me that your favorite part wasn't when we all sing happy birthday to you? That was <laughs> terrible. No, <laughs> the cake was good. I don't like being the center of attention like that, Taylor. So. <laughs> you got a surprise. You keep on your toes. Brad, we'll end with you. All right, great. Um, Taylor, congratulations to you and the team on just an awesome event. It was really... Mm -hmm. um, uh, it was it was fantastic to be there. Made so many just great connections and 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 pulled a ton, uh, brought a ton back uh, back with me. So I I think uh, one of my favorite things that I just I felt like was a discussion over and over that I'm super excited to continue to sort of you know pay attention to and uh, and and look at was almost everybody I talked to was talking about pricing, 
And, uh, and, and pricing is just a, I think it's going to be a really important conversation for our industry going forward. And a lot of it was, you know, should I raise my dues? Should I not raise my dues? Which the answer is probably always yes. Um, but, but really some non-traditional models coming out that, you know, a, a couple, um, a, a, a couple of the team here mentioned, um, you know, the, the Bay clubs model of the, you know, adding, um, uh, adding a friend on, but, you know, some, some other things where I think around, um, uh, you know, creating sort of dynamic pricing, uh, you know, based on, you know, seasonality, based on time of day. I'm really interested to see where we go with pricing uh, as an industry. And I think there's some really interesting opportunities out there. And that was, I think, some of my favorite discussions that we had. So um, that's a, it's a bit of a kind of watch the space moment, I think, for me. Awesome. Well, going back to branding, you know, Club Solutions really does exist at the end of the day to help educate, empower, and improve the lives of health and wellness professionals. And the events really what we pour our heart and soul into. We love gathering. We love like having just a platform where we can all come together and learn from each other. So I'm glad to hear that you all connected, you learned, you you did all the things. I'm glad we're we're achieving in that. Um for those listening who weren't in attendance, we do have some exciting news. We're going to the Broadmoor in Colorado Springs next year. Um, so if you're interested in that, you can definitely reach out to me at Taylor at Peak Media. And then if you're not a top executive, we do have an event this September for directors, CEOs, COOs, pretty much it's a larger event with more people. So if you're interested in learning about our retreat, you can reach out to me as well. But I hope you all learned from our roundtable topics and from our wonderful panelists. And thank you all so much for taking time out of your day to talk about this and just help me relive it a little bit, I guess. And at the end of the day, I hope you take what you learned here today and apply it to your clubs and help improve your members' lives. So thank you all so much. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you all have a great rest of your day.